0: Tonight we are beginning the series going through the entire Old Testament, a survey of the Old Testament, and you will see as we move along that the the two Testaments are inextricably linked. And the things that were hidden in the Old Testament are revealed in the New Testament. And the things that are in the Old Testament um, are magnified. They are open and given revelation to by the New Testament. It helps you to gain understanding. I hope that uh, you will um, be blessed by this by this series We're actually tonight, in just a few minutes as I usually do, I'll tell you, go somewhere and I'll meet you there. So I'm actually going to be starting in the New Testament to kind of give us the springboard of what is going to be taking place, how it's going to work in our lives, and what really the relevance is. You'd be surprised how many pastors, how many churches, how many Christians do not read the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, they say that it is not relevant to New Testament believers and nothing could be further from the truth. It is as fresh as tomorrow's newspaper. As a matter of fact, there are things that are coming to pass right now um, that were prophesied thousands of years ago and it makes it exciting when you think, oh my goodness, that's written right there and this is what we're seeing. So I want to kind of give some background tonight And just kind of lay lay the groundwork for for what we're going to be doing, how we're going to approach the Old Testament. Uh, You know, God's message to us deals with the important ultimate questions in life. God deals with those things that, that tug at the very depth, the strings of our heart that very rarely are touched by any other experience by any other knowledge that we gain. Um, You know, he deals with what what is God like? What am I like? He deals with what, what have I done in the past for humanity and why did I do it? And above all of that, it deals with the question of what relationship is there between God and man? This is the reason. As a matter of fact, when you begin to read Genesis, you are not actually reading the beginning of the story. Between Genesis 1, verse 1, and Genesis 1, verse 2, there there is a a time frame that we are not privy to, but there were incredible things, there were epochs, uh, millennia that took place of history that is not explained to us in the book of Genesis, but we pick it up. Um, in the books of Ezekiel and a few of the other um, minor prophets. And then if you read some of the um, apocryphal materials, I, I, I don't find them to be um, canon as the rest of the, 66, of the 66 books of the Bible. But there are things like in the book of Enoch that are uh, just, will blow your mind away and explains a lot of things that, that archaeologists find, that that scientists find, that we can't explain from the pages of the Bible, but it's there between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, because the Bible says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness hovered over the face of the deep. This is a process that we'll, we'll get into, talking about the gap theory and what that means, um, but there is history that predates the Bible. And you have to understand, God does not include... Can you imagine what we would have to have a U-Haul truck to get around with our Bibles if God would have recorded everything? He hits the mountaintops. He hits the important things that give us the knowledge that we need to have to be able to get into right relationship with Him. That's His point. He doesn't explain every culture. He doesn't explain all kinds of things that took place. He doesn't explain the Pangea, none of that. But he tells us what we need to know. But there are, there are hints and there are clues that explain. And when you read some of these Old Testament prophets, you're like, oh, my word, this is tripping me out because it, it sounds like Lord of the Rings or something like that. Well, where do you think he got it? Okay, he pulled those things from, from Bible history and from prophetic material. But the written word of God has one major subject, and that is the history of God's plan to bring man into redemption uh, through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is throughout the Old Testament. If you are having issues with somebody who is Jewish, you're having issues with somebody is who is a Muslim. Uh, you know, they they think, well, here's this latecomer. No, no, no. We go all the way back to see where we're going to be beginning. And on Sunday in our book of in the book of John, the series says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, you find similar language in Genesis. You find similar language at the end of the Bible in Revelation. It all ties together. And as we go through, I will be um, giving you the understanding of where the Christophanies happen. In other words, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, like when he showed up at Abraham's tent. And he, the, he's, he recognized that this is, these are angels, this is the Lord, and he bows down to worship him. And then he says, what are you doing here, Lord? And he says, well, I'm going down to Sodom and Gomorrah and to see if uh, the cry, outcry that has come up to me is accurate. And if so... I'm going to destroy the places. So you have these events where Jesus actually appears in the Old Testament. I will actually touch on that tonight as we read our New Testament passage. But the the name Bible comes from the Greek word Biblia, which is interesting because Biblia in Spanish means book. And in um, Greek, it means many books. Uh, The Bible was written by over 40 different authors over 1,400 years People who never knew each other, people who lived at different time frames, people who lived in distant regions and in three different languages Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And then, if you can imagine all of that, just say we take some guy, some hayseed from West Texas, and we say, okay, you're going to write this section. We go up to to a Yankee up in New York, you're going to write this section. Then you go down to Louisiana and get a cage, and then you go up to Alaska, and you have all these people write a story and then you try to put that together to one compilation, it's going to be a disaster. But here you have this huge period of time. You have this large number of people. You have um, these people who most of them never met one another, and they were writing in different languages, and yet this story, it can be read backwards and forwards and things that are written there tied Tie in not only to the Old Testament but also to the late New Testament. It all fits like a hand in a glove. It is an amazing, amazing thing. We have sixty-six books that make up uh, the canon that we call the the Christian Bible. The statistical odds of this being able to happen are not even calculable. We we could not put paper, uh, pen to paper, we could not put it in the most sophisticated computer to be able to spit out the, the probabilities that this would even happen once. Um, that all these people from these different cultures, languages, different ways of viewing life, different experiences, different, different interactions with the God that they're writing about, without one contradiction, without one error, it's, it's beyond human comprehension. When you begin to think about the Bible and these terms, you begin to look at it in a different way because you think, oh my goodness, this is a supernatural book. Yeah. The Bible says that it is God-breathed. That means that the inspiration of God, when we read, you know, in 2 Timothy 3, it says that all all scripture is inspired, all scripture scripture is God-breathed. What that literally means is that God was imparting into these people in a supernatural act the same thing that he did in Genesis 1-1 and then redid in Genesis 1-2. This thing where the Holy Spirit comes down and does a creative work. And there is a miraculous uh, cooperation between these men and the living God. He incorporates their personalities, the way that they view the world, and that's, that's key. You'll see that again and again. That's very important for us. But he also imparts to them things that there's absolutely no way that they could know. I mean, you think of the occasion where Daniel was shown the vision of the end. He's like, oh, Lord. What in the world is, as he says, don't worry about it. You, would, you couldn't understand if I explained it to you. It's for later. Just close up the scroll and later on people will understand. These guys were giving prophetic material. They were interpreting um, the actions of God in ways that they really did not have the experience to do. What was going on was that God was supernaturally hovering over them. It says that his spirit breathed into them the word of God so that the writings are not a journal. They're not a diary. The writings actually turn out to be God on paper. It is a supernatural revelation that is that is so beautiful that it has been read for thousands of years and people still are not being able to grasp everything that is there. And it has been the and is the greatest most popular book of all times. It is the bestseller ever since we started publishing and keeping tracks. It still remains to this day the best-selling book of all times. The Bible, this is important, it's a, it sounds very simple, but it's a deep theological issue in our world today that makes all the difference. The Bible does not contain the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. When when you go into upper levels of study, it can make you furious at how people who are brilliant academically try to explain their own faith away. And Matter of fact, many, many people who go high up in theological studies end up walking away because it becomes so intractable um, with academics that they talk themselves out of their own faith. That's why Jesus said, I want you to be like a little kid. I say it, I do it, you believe it, we have a relationship. And so the, the word of God is not like, you know, It's like a lot of people say, well, we don't believe in this particular section here and we're not going to practice that. And we think this was just for these folks over here. So we really we're not going to read those parts of the Bible, the entire Bible. That's why Timothy said all scripture is God breathed. It is very plain. And yet you have theologian after theologian who are saying, well, this section, this chapter, this occasion was not inspired. It is all inspired from Genesis 1-1 all the way through the end of Genesis chapter 22. Uh, At the same time, it is really important for us to to understand that there, there was a human element in this. This is what enables us to connect with God. There are certain people that God works with because they have an extraordinary ability to have an extreme focus in their lives. God is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's all they eat, sleep, drink. They have that ability to connect with him in such a way. He takes people like that, and and he used them to bring the word of God about. But most of us are just ordinary Joes. And God has arranged the Bible and created the Bible in such a way that we as human beings are able to relate to him through the writings, the personalities, the understanding, the insight, the experiences of the people that God used to write the Bible. So the the Old Testament is is extremely valid for us as 21st century uh, believers, and we're going to see that. Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let's begin at verse 1. This is the tie-in between the two testaments. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. In other words, they submitted themselves to his leadership they he was the one that was leading them to a relationship with God verse 3 it says they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ nevertheless God was not pleased with most of them their bodies were scattered in the wilderness Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. I want to reread that particular verse because this is the crux. This is the tie-in between all that stuff in those dusty Old Testament pages and our life right here in Caney, Kansas. These things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. Now, this is the case, the instance when Moses went up to receive the law and the people immediately reverted back to their old Uh, Egyptian gods and the orgies that went along with that. That's the reference here. It says, um, we should not, verse 9, we should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Verse 11, this is important. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come." So here you have the Apostle Paul, a man that God used to pen two-thirds of the New Testament. He is telling us that the history of Israel is specifically recorded For us, it is better, it is easier to be a vicarious learner than it is to go through the pain yourself. In other words, you see somebody, they make a terrible decision, they pay horrible consequences for that, and then you learn the lesson, you say, ah, that was the result of that behavior. I'm not going to do that so that you don't have to spend six months or a year putting your life back on track and trying to get things back in order so that you can continue on in life. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. All of this stuff in the Old Testament was recorded for us right now and he says those upon whom the culmination of the ages has come. Well that's us guys. We are just before the end of the Bible. You know Acts 29 is still be recorded in heaven. The tribulation period is about to come upon the earth. You and I are at the culmination. So Since we're at the very end of the ages, and that's what Paul said uh, this was applicable to, then we logically can go back and say, all this history, all of these life stories, all of this drama, all of the chaos, all of the consequences, all of those things, God expects us to take those into our hearts, to examine them, to ask Him for wisdom and for uh, self-discipline not to do like these people did. So, this material is very, very important for Christians in the 21st century. The New Testament is absolutely full of the Old Testament. We we know that Jesus quoted from 22 of the Old Testament books during his ministry. Uh, Matthew has 19 quotations from the Old Testament, Luke has 25. The book of Hebrews has 85 quotations, and the book of Revelation has 245 quotations from the Old Testament. So, those people, and I, I've met pastors who say that this Old Testament is not for us, well then you need to take out a Bible and you need to start cutting like crazy, tearing up pages, cutting out verses, because it's all through the New Testament. You, you know guys, right, the early church. The Old Testament was their bible. The disciples, the apostles, Jesus never one time preached from the New Testament. He didn't open up the book of John and say, "Okay, let's talk. No everything they had. So how could they come to faith? I mean, after Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he's walking on the road to Emmaus and he runs into these two guys and they're depressed and they're talking about all that had taken place. We thought he was the Messiah. And he said, you foolish men, do you not know what the scripture says? And he says he went back to the beginning and he led them through the Old Testament, showing them, that Christ must suffer and die and be resurrected. We often don't see that in the Old Testament because, I, you know, I don't know anybody's reading habits here so I can speak freely, but a lot of Christians never crack the Bible before Matthew. And they are missing so much treasure, so many riches of the revelation of who God is, why He does what He does, how He relates to us, the way that He feels, the fact that He does feel. He is a personality. We are made in His image, and there are certain things that we still reflect. God still has wrath and anger. He has love. He has justice. He has humility. He has goodness and faithfulness and meekness, and these are things that we try to to emulate. But the Old Testament shows us, oh, that's actually God's character. Well, let's keep moving here. All of the Old Testament quotations are used as authority to back up the things that were being explained and taught by Christ himself and by the apostles. Their their point of reference were the Old Testament scriptures proving what was taking place right before the people's eyes. They are they were added to to use weight to the things that they were teaching and saying, meaning that Christ and the New Testament readers um, place or excuse me the writers placed a, a tremendous amount of authority on the Old Testament scriptures as pointing us to being New Testament believers. Now keep in mind that that Um, before about 67 AD the New Testament was not no part of the New Testament was in play yet Um, most believers who lived that first century the Old Testament was the only Bible that they had not just during Jesus lifetime but all the way up to the end of the first century that that was their Bible and yet they found out how to have a relationship with the Lord, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they evangelized the world, they started turning the world upside down for the gospel simply by looking into the Old Testament. Um, The theme of the Old Testament is is God revealing His nature to mankind through His supernatural acts and through prophetic words. the, the Old Testament we need to understand is, is very trustworthy. You know, they used to, critics would, would say, well, you, you, the, the earliest copy of the Old Testament that you guys have is from 900 AD. And so that cannot be reliable material. Now, you know what they wrote on? They didn't have, you know, uh, opportunity to hermeneutically hermene- hermene- seal. A book inside of a plexiglass box, so that it wouldn't deteriorate. They're writing on whatever they can find: canvas. They're writing on reed uh, paper. They're they're writing on leather. Th- those things deteriorate and disappear. But the transmission was faithful, and we know that because in A.D. Excuse me, in 1947, in the Qumran caves near the West Bank. Some shepherd boys were out there, and they were bored out of the skulls, and one of them was throwing a rock up into the openings. There were caves up there, and he heard something that sounded like glass breaking, and so he crawled up the hill cliff, the, the cliff, and he crawled in there, and he found some jars, and so he went, and he said, Hey, I found something. We found the entire Old Testament, a copy had been put in this clay jar, had been put in this cave where it was cool and dry, and they dated it from A.D. 70. And you know what? Word for word, nothing had changed. To me, I'm like, yes, there are so many things that are verifying the Bible now from archaeology. It is amazing. We can trust that this word not only is true, but it has power. It carries the same power as the New Testament uh, does. Um, what does this mean for for you and I? These, these scrolls mean that we can trust what we have between our pages. Sometime I might do the, the story of the biblical transmission. It is It is just miraculous. It is fabulous It's very faith uh, building. Um, But I want you to I want you to understand that there are aspects of Jesus. And your relationship with him, if you're not an Old Testament reader, you will not get, you will not see, you will not understand, you will not experience Um, the Old Testament is a personal message to every single one of us as as New Testament believers, you know, when when we study the events and the records, um, we discover a lot of things about our own lives because God, in order to help us to have a relationship with Him, recorded the good, bad, and the ugly. He didn't cut out the bad parts where people really messed up. He didn't cut out the bad parts where He had to come down like a ton of bricks on people. God recorded everything so that we have a real understanding of the human interaction. If God forgave that guy, he'll forgive me. If God can put that person back together, he can put me back together. If God can do that miraculous deliverance, he can do it for me. You see what I'm saying? When I am really struggling and I'm really having a hard time in my faith, man, I go back. I go back to the stories of Samuel and Kings. Um, I, I go back to the Psalms because these things, these were real people going through life-threatening situations through the crises of their lives. And you see how God's Spirit came along and helped them. You know, the 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 opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for anybody, that that came in the book of Acts. But did you know there were people who were baptized in the Holy Spirit all through the Old Testament? We'll hit those things when we come through there. There were certain individuals that the Lord would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Um So as we work through this, we'll find ourselves in these circumstances. As you're reading the story, you think, man, this is... This is uncanny. This is really like what I'm experiencing or this family member or this friend. You begin to see yourselves in in these encounters um, that that the men and women of the Old Testament went through. God can and God will speak to us profoundly um, in our lives as as we open ourselves up to the Old Testament message. I encourage you, if you have not been an Old Testament reader, I encourage you as we move through this series that you would read the books, Read the passages that we're going through because it will it will challenge your faith, but it will build your faith and you will understand the Lord in ways that you have not up to this point. You know, God is amazing. He is a good father. I was at the gas station yesterday and there was a woman who pulled up um, right beside me. and she got out, and she got her, I don't know, maybe ten-year-old daughter out, and she's explaining to her how this whole thing works with credit cards and with not saying the number out loud when you have to, you know, what's the number, you know, uh, how to put the gas in, what to what. All this, I thought, wow, this woman must be a teacher because she was really uh, engaging her daughter, uh, and it was a cool thing to watch. She understood how her daughter's mind worked and how to communicate that information to her. Well, what does that have to do with the Old Testament? God recorded the Bible in such a way that every person from every economic strata, every culture, every language, every background, every ethnicity could receive from the Lord in a way that makes sense to them, a way that opens their heart and their eyes to understand what the Lord is saying. And so he used different genre uh, because um, learning happens differently from person to person. Some people learn vicariously. Other people learn by putting their hand on the stove, you know, or or you love to read poetry and you can interpret it feels wonderful to you so as we take in information and we learn we learn differently in the different epochs of our lives so not only does god record all these different genres like history and and uh the biographies and poetry and all this kind of stuff so that it clicks but we learn differently as we mature and god understood that so the bible is always fresh you know if you're very just starting in the in the lord psalm 23 that's great it makes a lot of sense but as you move through forward and your mind matures and you did a greater challenge there are other ways that the lord has told that story or that characteristic of himself that rings true with somebody that's in their 50s that really it doesn't make any sense to somebody's, somebody that's in their 20s. When you begin to examine all the aspects, the way that God revealed his word, the way that he preserved it, all the different ways that he, he um, spoke into the, the people that were carrying the word to the written page, it's amazing. You guys who, who have raised kids and grandkids, you know Every kid is different. I could, you know, I could wail the tar out of my son. And he would say, you know, are you trying to tell me something? You know, my daughter, I look at her crosswise, she starts crying. I had to relate differently to them. We're all the same. And so God has revealed himself in all these different ways so that everybody gets it. Nobody's left behind. He's a good father, a very understanding father with a great amount of insight. So we we take in information differently at various times in our lives and god uh, took that into account in the way he presented his word he repeats some of the same history have you ever read through you know uh samuel and kings and all this stuff you think wait i've read that before you think why did he say it over again well what the lord is doing is that he is bringing that same information, that same event, that's those same experiences from different perspectives. Just from historical, and then from religious, and then from personal experience. The person who went through it, who's recording what they thought it was. And so it's like a traffic accident. You know, there are people that are in different parts of the the intersection. They all see something different. And so God puts that together so that we get the perspective from all around and we begin to have aha moments that bring revelation. And when those special moments happen, the Spirit of the Lord is is hovering over us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit hovers over His Word to, to make sure that it comes to pass. When we're reading the Bible, that's what He's doing. And when, when he's repeating things, don't get bored and say, oh, goodness, let's, let's move past all these pages. There are things, details that the others didn't cover. Out of 66 books in the Bible, 39 of them are Old Testament. That seems to me that uh, there are more Old Testament books than there are New Testament books 39 in the Old, 27 in the New. Maybe we need to, to look into this fat chunk of the bible because it can't be a waste you don't you have the pentateuch which is the first five books of the bible Uh, in greek that means uh, the pentateuch just means five vessels it was delivering of the law the initial way of man relating to the lord because you see man had fallen so far away from him that God had to come back and do a progressive revelation. Now, can you imagine Adam and Eve every evening, the Lord Jesus walks in the garden with them? You know, what's that star called? Oh, well, that's so-and-so. You know, the Bible says he created absolutely every one of them and he calls them by name. Can you imagine? The most brilliant of us use 10% I think I use about 2% of my brain can you imagine having that full capacity of the way men were created and so God had to come back and it's called progressive revelation he's giving each generation a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more leading up to the point where Jesus comes there's full revelation God in the flesh God on the earth Go back there, you know. With the, the he talked about the the that uh, Eve's seed, you know, would would crush the head of the serpent. That it's all laid out there. God was pre-telling the gospel. Anyway, you have um, Job and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes the Song of Solomon. These are poetic books. These are. I would call the heart, the emotions of the Bible. When I'm going through something, a big struggle, I go back and I begin to go through the poetic literature because what this is, is this is people screaming and yelling and griping at God. Now, I know that none of us do that or ever have done that, but God is saying, it's okay. I remember that you are but dust. And he gives us these things so that, wait, they went through the same thing they made it through this is what I'm feeling this is the angst the anger the disappointment the frustration the jealousy whatever it is I'm seeing it there why did God record those ugly emotions because he wants us to be able to have such a relationship with him that is incredibly tight and intimate you know you could tell how tight a relationship is between two people uh, when, when you see how blunt they can be with one another and it doesn't damage the relationship. Here in these poetic books, we see God not threatening, say, boy, you say that one more time and I'm going to zap you. He lets it all come at Then The Holy Spirit says, okay, are you done? And then he starts reminding, what about that time when I did that for you? What about when I healed your child? What about when I provided that finance? What about when I routed the foreign army? And then by the end of the Psalm, David shout and run around the castle because he remembers all those things. And it's cathartic. When we go through this stuff, it can be the same thing for us: an experience that is so powerful, so intimate. It is a breakthrough in the relationship that we come out closer to the Lord than when we went in so in other words going through that has actually made our lives better painful in the meantime but much better afterwards um prophets serve two functions and we need to understand this there are two types of prophecy one is forth telling okay what is that it's when god says blah 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 Go say that to those people. And the prophet goes out and says, Okay, you guys have been doing this and that, and the other. The Lord says, This is what's coming down the pike. That's forth telling, going out and, and giving a message that God has given them. The other Part of prophecy the other kind of prophecy is forth uh, foretelling in other words, saying something that will come to pass in the future that's usually what we think about when we talk about prophecy, but we have the same thing when we are when we are the Holy Spirit is moving among us and somebody gives a, a word of knowledge okay that's the same thing that's the that's the foretelling God is whispering in their spirit and they are speaking to the congregation. this is what the Lord says um So the details of the the historical books are keys uh, to a proper understanding of the message of the prophets, okay? So when we take these words, and I've heard tons and tons of people, they'll take a snippet out of a prophecy from the Old Testament and apply it to their lives. Well, unless you understand what God was doing, the reason God was doing, and the, the details of the situation, you don't really understand the purpose of that. So you can't just snatch it and grab it and claim it, name it, claim it, frame it, hang it on the wall. You can't do that. You have to understand what was going on. Why did God respond to this? And is that applicable to us? Or is that only national Israel? Because there's tons of things in the Old Testament that are still future, not for us, but for Israel, so we have to, to understand that the stories are important because there's things that we love to quote from the Old Testament as promises. But if we're not quoting them in context and we're not believing them in context, then we're, we're, we're up to disappointment for ourselves and for people that we have relationship with because we may be giving them a promise that has nothing to do with their lives. It cannot apply to their lives because it's only for national Israel, if that, if that makes sense to you guys. So let me wrap this thing up tonight. Um, as we move through this, this Old Testament study, we're going to be doing it in chronological order. You know your Bibles are not written in chronological order, right? So it'll jump all over the place uh, according to the index in your Bible. Um, but we have to see that the basic theme of, of the Old Testament is God revealing Himself through uh, the historical events, revealing his nature, revealing his power, revealing his his attributes. All of these things beautifully come out. Um, these events, although they were guided and allowed by the Holy Spirit, um, could not give us a revelation in uh, themselves. Just reading the events that took place, the wars, the the family troubles the the crises all of that just reading those events we cannot come to a proper understanding of God's character and his thinking so he raised up prophets who lived those situations who lived those experiences and he anointed them to understand he spoke to them why he was doing it, what he was doing, what the outcome was going to be. So we read the experiences, but we read the dialogue that is going on, or the monologue sometimes, that is going on by the prophet who has the revelation. We put those together. Not only do we know what happened, we know why God sent it, what God intended for it to, to be the outcome, and what, how that can relate to our personal Lives and so they give the explanation of of what is happening here um, during this this study. Um, the prophets, along with these events that we spoke about, will study um, the books of poetry um, that were being written during the particular time frames. In other words, you got this, like Psalm fifty one. Okay, that's when David fell with Bathsheba. And he had been fighting the conviction of the Holy Spirit for a year. He had not repented of what he did. We all know that story. And he was trying to move past it, yet his relationship with the Lord was broken. And then Nathan the prophet comes and he tells him this story. And David gets all upset and says, Bring the guy in. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tie him up by his thumbs and flail him. And then nathan says you're the man and he breaks and that's when he writes psalm 51 oh lord do not take your holy spirit from me so when we we read the interpretation by the prophets of the events that were taking place then we understand god's perspective and we can apply the lesson to our own selves and then we'll read the people who wrote psalms and and proverbs and things Uh, In the poetic literature, this this is how they responded to what was going on. God called David out in a very blunt way, embarrassed him. Incidentally, David suffered grief for the rest of his life. God forgave him. God restored him in his authority. But his family was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare for the rest of his life. He had consequence after consequence that came from that one moment when he did not have self-disciplined in his life. We'll talk about that when we get there. But I'm hoping and praying that when we get to the end of all this stuff, the Old Testament will make a lot more sense to you, but also it will be powerful for you. And then you can take those lessons, those understandings, And that relationship with God, and you can impart that to other people who are not digging in the word and help them to gain an interest in the word of God. Let's pray and ask the Lord to use us as we learn this material. Father, I thank you for the Old Testament. I thank you, Father. It demonstrates to us the immense patience that you have. Lord, apparently you had to destroy the earth between Genesis one, one and Genesis one, two. And then you came back and you started the human project. And we come to Noah, Lord, and you had to destroy everyone except for his family. And then you started the human project over again. How patiently you have revealed yourself over the thousands of years, how good you are to us. Let the Old Testament become rich it become something that we enjoy reading and studying and that we give to others. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight we are beginning the series going through the entire Old Testament, a survey of the Old Testament, and you will see as we move along that the, the two Testaments are inextricably linked. And the things that were hidden in the Old Testament are revealed in the New Testament. And the things that are in the Old Testament um, are magnified. They are open and given revelation to by the New Testament. It helps you to gain understanding. I hope that uh, you will um, be blessed by by this series. We're actually tonight, in just a few minutes, as I usually do, I'll tell you, go somewhere and I'll meet you there. So I'm actually going to be starting in the New Testament to kind of give us the springboard of what is going to be taking place, how it's going to work in our lives and what really the relevance is. You'd be surprised how many pastors, how many churches, how many Christians do not read the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, they say that it is not relevant to New Testament believers, and nothing could be further from the truth. It is as fresh as tomorrow's newspaper. As a matter of fact, there are things that are coming to pass right now um, that were prophesied thousands of years ago, and it makes it exciting when you think, oh my goodness, that's written right there, and this is what we're seeing. So I want to kind of give some background tonight And just kind of lay lay the groundwork for for what we're going to be doing, how we're going to approach the Old Testament. Uh, You know, God's message to us deals with the important ultimate questions in life. God deals with those things that that tug at the very depth, the strings of our heart that very rarely are touched by any other experience by any other knowledge that we gain. Um, You know, he deals with what what is God like? What am I like? He deals with what, what have I done in the past for humanity and why did I do it? And above all of that, it deals with the question of what relationship is there between God and man? This is the reason. As a matter of fact, when you begin to read Genesis, you are not actually reading the beginning of the story. Between Genesis 1, verse 1, and Genesis 1, verse 2, there, there is a, a time frame that we are not privy to, but there were incredible things, there were epochs, uh, millennia that took place of history that is not explained to us in the book of Genesis, but we pick it up in um, the books of Ezekiel and a few of the other um, minor prophets. And then if you read some of the um, apocryphal materials, I, I, I don't find them to be um, canon as the rest of the, 66, of the 66 books of the Bible. But there are things like in the book of Enoch that are uh, just, will blow your mind away and explains a lot of things that, that archaeologists find, that that scientists find, that we can't explain from the pages of the Bible, but it's there between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Because the Bible says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness hovered over the face of the deep. This is a process that we'll, we'll get into, talking about the gap theory and what that means. Um, but there is history that predates the Bible. And you have to understand, God does not include... Can you imagine what we would have to have a U-Haul truck to get around with our Bibles if God would have recorded everything? He hits the mountaintops. He hits the important things that give us the knowledge that we need to have to be able to get into right relationship with Him. That's His point. He doesn't explain every culture. He doesn't explain all kinds of things that took place. He doesn't explain the Pangea, none of that. But he tells us what we need to know. But there are there are hints and there are clues that explain. And when you read some of these Old Testament prophets, you're like, oh, my word, this is tripping me out because it, it sounds like Lord of the Rings or something like that. Well, where do you think he got it? Okay, he pulled those things from, from Bible history and from prophetic material. But the written word of God has one major subject, and that is the history of God's plan to bring man into redemption uh, through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is throughout the Old Testament. If you are having issues with somebody who is Jewish, you're having issues with somebody is who is a Muslim. Uh, you know, they they think, well, here's this latecomer. No, no, no. We go all the way back to see where we're going to be beginning. in on Sunday, in our book of in the book of John, the series says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." Well, you find similar language in Genesis. You find similar language at the end of the Bible in Revelation. It all ties together. And as we go through, I will be. Um, giving you the understanding of where the Christophanies happen. In other words, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, like when he showed up at Abraham's tent. And he the, he's, He recognized that this is these are angels, this is the Lord, and he bows down to worship him. And then he says, what are you doing here, Lord? And he says, well, I'm going down to Sodom and Gomorrah and to see if uh, the cry, outcry that has come up to me is accurate. And if so... I'm going to destroy the places. So you have these events where Jesus actually appears in the Old Testament. I will actually touch on that tonight as we read our New Testament passage. But the the name Bible comes from the Greek word Biblia, which is interesting because Biblia in Spanish means book. And in um, Greek, it means many books. Uh, The Bible was written by over 40 different authors over 1,400 years People who never knew each other, people who lived at different time frames, people who lived in distant regions and in three different languages Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And then, if you can imagine all of that, just say we take some guy, some hayseed from West Texas, and we say, okay, you're going to write this section. We go up to to a Yankee up in New York, you're going to write this section. Then you go down to Louisiana and get a cage, and then you go up to Alaska, and you have all these people write a story and then you try to put that together to one compilation, it's going to be a disaster. But here you have this huge period of time. You have this large number of people. You have um, these people who most of them never met one another, and they were writing in different languages, and yet this story, it can be read backwards and forwards and things that are written there tied Tie in not only to the Old Testament but also to the late New Testament. It all fits like a hand in a glove. It is an amazing, amazing thing. We have sixty-six books that make up uh, the canon that we call the the Christian Bible. The statistical odds of this being able to happen are not even calculable. We we could not put. Paper, uh, pen to paper, we could not put it in the most sophisticated computer to be able to spit out the the probabilities that this would even happen once. Um, that all these people from these different cultures, languages, different ways of viewing life, different experiences, different different interactions with the God that they're writing about, without one contradiction, without one error, it's it's beyond human comprehension. When you begin to think about the Bible and these terms, you begin to look at it in a different way because you think, oh my goodness, this is a supernatural book. Yeah. The Bible says that it is God breathed. That means that the inspiration of God, when we read, you know, in 2 Timothy 3, it says that all all scripture is inspired, all all scripture is God breathed. What that literally means is that God was imparting into these people in a supernatural act the same thing that he did in Genesis 1-1 and then redid in Genesis 1-2. This thing where the Holy Spirit comes down and does a creative work. And there is a miraculous uh, cooperation between these men and the living God. He incorporates their personalities, the way that they view the world, and that's, that's key. You'll see that again and again. That's very important for us. But he also imparts to them things that there's absolutely no way that they could know. I mean, you think of the occasion where Daniel was shown the vision of the end. He's like, oh, Lord what in the world is, as he says, don't worry about it. You, would, you couldn't understand if I explained it to you. It's for later. Just close up the scroll and later on people will understand. These guys were giving prophetic material. They were interpreting um, the actions of God in ways that they really did not have the experience to do. What was going on was that God was supernaturally hovering over them. It says that his spirit breathed into them the word of God so that the writings are not a journal, they're not a diary. The writings actually turn out to be God on paper. It is a supernatural revelation that is that is so beautiful that it has been read for thousands of years and people still are not being able to grasp everything that is there. And it has been the and is the greatest most popular book of all times. It is the bestseller ever since we started publishing and keeping tracks. It still remains to this day the best-selling book of all times. The Bible, this is important, it's a, it sounds very simple, but it's a deep theological issue in our world today that makes all the difference. The Bible does not contain the Word of God. The Bible is the word of god when when you go into upper levels of study it can make you furious at how people who are brilliant academically try to explain their own faith away and Matter of fact, many, many people who go high up in theological studies end up walking away because it becomes so intractable um, with academics that they talk themselves out of their own faith. That's why Jesus said, I want you to be like a little kid. I say it, I do it, you believe it, we have a relationship. And so the the word of God is not like, you know. It's like a lot of people say, well, we don't believe in this particular section here, and we're not going to practice that. And we think this was just for these folks over here. So we really, we're not going to read those parts of the Bible, the entire Bible. That's why Timothy said, all scripture is God breathed. It was very plain. And yet you have theologian after theologian who are saying, well, this section, this chapter, this occasion was not inspired. It is all. Inspired from Genesis 1 1 all the way through the end of Genesis chapter 22. Uh, At the same time, it is really important for us to to understand that there, there was a human element in this. This is what enables us to connect with God. There are certain people that God works with because they have an extraordinary ability to have an extreme focus in their lives. God is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's all they eat, sleep, drink. They have that ability to connect with him in such a way. He takes people like that, and and he used them to bring the word of God about. But most of us are just ordinary Joes. And God has arranged the Bible and created the Bible in such a way that we as human beings are able to relate to him through the writings, the personalities, the understanding, the insight, the experiences of the people that God used to write the Bible. So the the Old Testament is is extremely valid for us as 21st century uh, believers, and we're going to see that. Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let's begin at verse 1. This is the tie-in between the two testaments. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. In other words, they submitted themselves to his leadership they he was the one that was leading them to a relationship with God verse 3 it says they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ nevertheless God was not pleased with most of them their bodies were scattered in the wilderness Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. I want to reread that particular verse because this is the crux. This is the tie-in between all that stuff in those dusty Old Testament pages and our life right here in Caney, Kansas. These things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. Now, this is the case, the instance when Moses went up to receive the law and the people immediately reverted back to their old Uh, Egyptian gods and the orgies that went along with that. That's the reference here. It says, um, we should not, verse 9, we should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Verse 11, this is important. These things happened to them As examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come." So here you have the Apostle Paul, a man that God used to pen two-thirds of the New Testament. He is telling us that the history of Israel is specifically recorded For us, it is better, it is easier to be a vicarious learner than it is to go through the pain yourself. In other words, you see somebody, they make a terrible decision, they pay horrible consequences for that, and then you learn the lesson, you say, ah, that was the result of that behavior. I'm not going to do that so that you don't have to spend six months or a year putting your life back on track and trying to get things back in order so that you can continue on in life. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. All of this stuff in the Old Testament was recorded for us right now. And he says, those upon whom the culmination of the ages has come. Well, that's us, guys. We are just before the end of the Bible. You know, Acts 29 is still be recorded in heaven. The tribulation period is about to come upon the earth. You and I are at the culmination. So. Since we're at the very end of the ages, and that's what Paul said uh, this was applicable to, then we logically can go back and say, all this history, all of these life stories, all of this drama, all of the chaos, all of the consequences, all of those things, God expects us to take those into our hearts, to examine them, to ask Him for wisdom and for uh, self-discipline not to do like these people did. So, this material is very, very important for Christians in the 21st century. The New Testament is absolutely full of the Old Testament. We we know that Jesus quoted from 22 of the Old Testament books during his ministry. Uh, Matthew has 19 quotations from the Old Testament, Luke has 25. The book of Hebrews has 85 quotations. And the book of Revelation has 245 quotations from the Old Testament. So those people, and I've met pastors who say that this Old Testament is not for us, well then you need to take out a Bible and you need to start cutting like crazy, tearing up pages, cutting out verses, because it's all through the New Testament. You, You know guys, right, the early church, the Old Testament was their bible. The disciples, the apostles, Jesus never one time preached from the New Testament. He didn't open up the book of John and say, "Okay, let's talk. No everything they had. So how could they come to faith? I mean, after Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he's walking on the road to Emmaus and he runs into these two guys and they're depressed and they're talking about all that had taken place. We thought he was the Messiah. And he said, you foolish men, do you not know what the scripture says? And he says he went back to the beginning and he led them through the Old Testament, showing them, that Christ must suffer and die and be resurrected. We often don't see that in the Old Testament because, you know, I don't know anybody's reading habits here so I can speak freely, but a lot of Christians never crack the Bible before Matthew. And they are missing so much treasure, so many riches of the revelation of who God is, why he does what he does, how he relates to us, the way that he feels, the fact that he does feel. He is a personality. We are made in his image, and there are certain things that we still reflect. God still has wrath and anger. He has love. He has justice. He has humility. He has goodness and faithfulness and meekness, and these are things that we try to to emulate. But the old testament shows us oh that's actually god's character well let's keep moving here all of the old testament quotations are used as authority to back up the things that were being explained and taught by christ himself and by the apostles their their point of reference were the old testament scriptures proving what was taking place Right before the people's eyes, they are they were added to to use weight to the things that they were teaching and saying, meaning that Christ and the New Testament readers um, place, or excuse me, the writers placed a, a tremendous amount of authority on the Old Testament scriptures as pointing us to being New Testament believers. Now, keep in mind that that. Um, before about 67 A.D., the New Testament was not, no part of the New Testament was in play yet. Um, Most believers who lived that first century, the Old Testament was the only Bible that they had, not just during Jesus' lifetime, but all the way up to the end of the first century, that, that was their Bible. And yet, they found out how to have a relationship with the Lord, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they evangelized the world, they started turning the world upside down for the gospel simply by looking into the Old Testament. Um, The theme of the Old Testament is is God revealing His nature to mankind through His supernatural acts and through prophetic words. the, the Old Testament we need to understand is is very trustworthy. you know they used to critics would would say, well you, you, the, the earliest copy of the Old Testament that you guys have is from 900 AD and so that cannot be reliable material. Now you know what they wrote on they didn't have you know uh, opportunity to hermeneutically hermene- hermene- seal. A book inside of a plexiglass box, so that it wouldn't deteriorate. They're writing on whatever they can find: canvas. They're writing on reed uh, paper. They're they're writing on leather. Th- those things deteriorate and disappear. But the transmission was faithful, and we know that because in AD, excuse me, in 1947, in the Qumran caves near the West Bank. Some shepherd boys were out there and they were bored out of the skulls and one of them was throwing a rock up into the openings. There were caves up there. And he heard something that sounded like glass breaking. And so he crawled up the hill cliff, the, the cliff, and he crawled in there and he found some jars. And so he went and he said, hey, I found something. We found the entire Old Testament, a copy had been put in this clay jar, had been put in this cave where it was cool and dry, and they dated it from A.D. 70. And you know what? Word for word, nothing had changed. To me, I'm like, yes, there are so many things that are verifying the Bible now from archaeology. It is amazing. We can trust that this word not only is true, but it has power. It carries the same power as the New Testament uh, does. Um, what does this mean for for you and I? These, these scrolls mean that we can trust what we have between our pages. Sometime I might do the, the story of the biblical transmission. It is It is just miraculous. It is fabulous. It's very faith uh, building. Um, But I want you to I want you to understand that there are aspects of Jesus and your relationship with him. If you're not an Old Testament reader, you will not get. You will not see. You will not understand. You will not experience. Um, The Old Testament is a personal message to every single one of us as as New Testament believers. you know, When when we study the events and the records, um, we discover a lot of things about our own lives because God, in order to help us to have a relationship with Him, recorded the good, bad, and the ugly. He didn't cut out the bad parts where people really messed up. He didn't cut out the bad parts where He had to come down like a ton of bricks on people. God recorded everything so that we have a real understanding of the human interaction. If God forgave that guy, he'll forgive me. If God can put that person back together, he can put me back together. If God can do that miraculous deliverance, he can do it for me. You see what I'm saying? When I am really struggling and I'm really having a hard time in my faith, man, I go back. I go back to the stories of Samuel and Kings. Um, I, I go back to the Psalms because these things, these were real people going through, life-threatening situations through the crises of their lives, and you see how God's Spirit came along and helped them. You know, the, the the opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for anybody, that that came in the book of Acts. But did you know there were people who were baptized in the Holy Spirit all through the Old Testament? We'll hit those things when we come through there. There were certain individuals that the Lord would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Um So as we work through this, we'll find ourselves in these circumstances. As you're reading the story, you think, man, this is... This is uncanny, this is really like what I'm experiencing, or this family member, or this friend. You will begin to see yourselves in, in these encounters um, that, that the men and women of the Old Testament went through. God can and God will speak to us profoundly um, in our lives as, as we open ourselves up to the Old Testament message. I encourage you, if you have not been an Old Testament reader, I encourage you as we move through this series that you would read the books, Read the passages that we're going through because it will it will challenge your faith, but it will build your faith and you will understand the Lord in ways that you have not up to this point. You know, God is amazing. He is a good father. I was at the gas station yesterday and there was a woman who pulled up um, right beside me. And she got out and she got her, I don't know, maybe 10 year old daughter out. And she's explaining to her how this whole thing works with credit cards and with not saying the number out loud when you have to, you know, what's the number, you know, uh, how to put the gas in, what to what. All this, I thought, wow, this woman must be a teacher because she was really uh, engaging her daughter. Uh, And it was a cool thing to watch. She understood how her daughter's mind worked and how to communicate that information to her. Well, what does that have to do with the Old Testament? God recorded the Bible in such a way that every person from every economic strata, every culture, every language, every background, every ethnicity could receive from the Lord in a way that makes sense to them, a way that opens their heart and their eyes to understand what the Lord is saying. And so he used different genre uh, because um, learning happens differently from person to person. Some people learn vicariously. Other people learn by putting their hand on the stove, you know, or or you love to read poetry and you can interpret. It feels wonderful to you. So as we take in information and we learn, we learn differently in the different epochs of our lives. So not only does God record all these different genres like history and and uh, the biographies and poetry and all this kind of stuff so that it clicks, but we learn differently as we mature. And God understood that. So the Bible is always fresh, you know. If you're very just starting in the in the Lord, Psalm 23, that's great. It makes a lot of sense. But as you move through forward and your mind matures and you did a greater challenge, there are other ways that the Lord has told that story or that characteristic of himself that rings true with somebody that's in their 50s that really it doesn't make any sense to somebody's, somebody that's in their 20s. When you begin to examine all the aspects, the way that God revealed his word, the way that he preserved it, all the different ways that he, he um, spoke into the, the people that were carrying the word to the written page, it's amazing. You guys who, who have raised kids and grandkids, you know Every kid is different. I could, you know, I could wail the tar out of my son. And he would say, you know, are you trying to tell me something? You know, my daughter, I look at her crosswise, she starts crying. I had to relate differently to them. We're all the same. And so God has revealed himself in all these different ways so that everybody gets it. Nobody's left behind. He's a good father, a very understanding father with a great amount of insight. So we, we take in information differently at various times in our lives and god uh, took that into account in the way he presented his word he repeats some of the same history have you ever read through you know uh samuel and kings and all this stuff you think wait i've read that before think why did he say it over again well what the lord is doing is that he is bringing that same information, that same event, that's those same experiences from different perspectives. Just from historical and then from religious and then from personal experience. The person who went through it, who's recording what they thought it was. And so it's like a traffic accident. You know, there are people that are in different parts of the the intersection. They all see something different. And so God puts that together so that we get the perspective from all around and we begin to have aha moments that bring revelation. And when those special moments happen, the Spirit of the Lord is is hovering over us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit hovers over His Word to, to make sure that it comes to pass. When we're reading the Bible, that's what He's doing. And when, when he's repeating things, don't get bored and say, oh, goodness, let's, let's move past all these pages. There are things, details that the others didn't cover. Out of 66 books in the Bible, 39 of them are Old Testament. That seems to me that uh, there are more Old Testament books than there are New Testament books 39 in the Old, 27 in the New. Maybe we need to, to look into this fat chunk of the bible because it can't be a waste you don't you have the pentateuch which is the first five books of the bible Uh, in greek that means uh, the pentateuch just means five vessels it was delivering of the law the initial way of man relating to the lord because you see man had fallen so far away from him that God had to come back and do a progressive revelation. Now, can you imagine Adam and Eve every evening, the Lord Jesus walks in the garden with them? You know, what's that star called? Oh, well, that's so-and-so. You know, the Bible says he created absolutely every one of them and he calls them by name. Can you imagine? The most brilliant of us use 10%. I think I use about 2% of my brain. Can you imagine having that full capacity of the way men were created? And so God had to come back, and it's called progressive revelation. He's giving each generation a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, leading up to the point where Jesus comes. There's full revelation, God in the flesh, God on the earth, Go back there, you know, with the, the he talked about the the, the uh, Eve's seed, you know, would would crush the head of the serpent. That it's all laid out there. God was pre-telling the gospel. Anyway, you have um, Job and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes the Song of Solomon. These are poetic books. These are. I would call the heart, the emotions of the Bible. When I'm going through something, a big struggle, I go back and I begin to go through the poetic literature because what this is, is this is people screaming and yelling and griping at God. Now, I know that none of us do that or ever have done that, but God is saying, it's okay. I remember that you are but dust. And he gives us these things so that, wait, they went through the same thing. They made it through. This is what I'm feeling. This is the angst, the anger, the disappointment, the frustration, the jealousy, whatever it is. I'm seeing it there. Why did God record those ugly emotions? Because he wants us to be able to have such a relationship with him that is incredibly tight and intimate. You know, you can tell how tight a relationship is between two people uh, when, when you see how blunt they can be with one another and it doesn't damage the relationship. Here in these poetic books, we see God not threatening, say, boy, you say that one more time and I'm going to zap you. He lets it all come at Then The Holy Spirit says, okay, are you done? And then he starts reminding, what about that time when I did that for you? What about when I healed your child? What about when I provided that finance? What about when I routed the foreign army and then by the end of the psalm, David shout and run around the castle because he remembers all those things. And it's cathartic. When we go through this stuff, it can be the same thing for us, an experience that is so powerful, so intimate. It's a breakthrough in the relationship that we come out closer to the Lord than when we went in so in other words going through that has actually made our lives better painful in the meantime but much better afterwards um prophets serve two functions and we need to understand this there are two types of prophecy one is forth telling okay what is that it's when god says blah 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 Go say that to those people. And the prophet goes out and says, Okay, you guys have been doing this and that and the other. The Lord says this is what's coming down the pike. That's forth telling. Going out and, and giving a message that God has given them. The other part of prophecy the other kind of prophecy is forth uh, foretelling in other words saying something that will come to pass in the future that's usually what we think about when we talk about prophecy but we have the same thing when we are when we are the Holy Spirit is moving among us and somebody gives a, a word of knowledge okay that's the same thing that's the that's the foretelling God is whispering in their spirit and they are speaking to the congregation this is what the Lord says um, So the details of the the historical books are keys uh, to a proper understanding of the message of the prophets, okay? So when we take these words, and I've heard tons and tons of people, they'll take a snippet out of a prophecy from the Old Testament and apply it to their lives. Well, unless you understand what God was doing, the reason God was doing, and the, the details of the situation, you don't really understand the purpose of that. So you can't just snatch it and grab it and claim it, name it, claim it, frame it, hang it on the wall. You can't do that. You have to understand what was going on. Why did God respond to this? And is that applicable to us? Or is that only national Israel? Because there's tons of things in the Old Testament that are still future, not for us, but for Israel, so we have to, to understand that the stories are important because there's things that we love to quote from the Old Testament as promises. But if we're not quoting them in context and we're not believing them in context, then we're, we're, we're up to disappointment for ourselves and for people that we have relationship with because we may be giving them a promise that has nothing to do with their lives. It cannot apply to their lives because it's only for national Israel, if that, if that makes sense to you guys. So let me wrap this thing up tonight. Um, As we move through this this Old Testament study, we're going to be doing it in chronological order. You know your Bibles are not written in chronological order, right? So it'll jump all over the place uh, according to the index in your Bible. Um, We have to see that the basic theme of, of the Old Testament is God revealing Himself. Through uh, the historical events, revealing his nature, revealing his power, revealing his his attributes. All of these things beautifully come out. Um, these events, although they were guided and allowed by the Holy Spirit, um, could not give us a revelation in uh, themselves. Just reading the events that took place, the wars, the, the family troubles, the, the crises, all of that. Just reading those events, we cannot come to a proper understanding of God's character and his thinking. So, he raised up prophets who lived those situations, who lived those experiences, and he anointed them to understand. He spoke to them why he was doing it, what he was doing, what the outcome was going to be. So we read the experiences, but we read the dialogue that is going on, or the monologue sometimes, that is going on by the prophet who has the revelation. We put those together. Not only do we know what happened, we know why God sent it, what God intended for it to, to be the outcome, and what, how that can relate to our personal Lives And so they give the explanation of of what is happening here um, during this this study. Um, the prophets, along with these events that we spoke about, will study um, the books of poetry um, that were being written during the particular time frames. In other words, you got this like Psalm 51. Okay, that's when David fell with Bathsheba. And he had been fighting the conviction of the Holy Spirit for a year. He had not repented of what he did. We all know that story. And he was trying to move past it, yet his relationship with the Lord was broken. And then Nathan the prophet comes and he tells him this story. And David gets all upset and says, Bring the guy in. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tie him up by his thumbs and flail him. And then Nathan says, you're the man. And he breaks. And that's when he writes Psalm 51. Oh, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. So when we we read the interpretation by the prophets of the events that were taking place, then we understand God's perspective and we can apply the lesson to our own selves. And then we'll read the people who wrote Psalms and, and Proverbs and things Uh, In the poetic literature, this this is how they responded to what was going on. God called David out in a very blunt way, embarrassed him. Incidentally, David suffered grief for the rest of his life. God forgave him. God restored him in his authority. But his family was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare for the rest of his life. He had consequence after consequence that came from that one moment when he did not have self-disciplined in his life. We'll talk about that when we get there. But I'm hope, hoping and praying that when we get to the end of all this stuff, the Old Testament will make a lot more sense to you, but also it will be powerful for you. And then you can take those lessons, those understandings, And that relationship with God, and you can impart that to other people who are not digging in the word and help them to gain an interest in the word of God. Let's pray and ask the Lord to use us as we learn this material. Father, I thank you for the Old Testament. I thank you, Father. It demonstrates to us the immense patience that you have. Lord, apparently you had to destroy the earth between Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 2. And then you came back and you started the human project. And we come to Noah, Lord, and you had to destroy everyone except for his family. And then you started the human project over again. How patiently you have revealed yourself over the thousands of years. How good you are to us. Let the Old Testament become rich become something that we enjoy reading and studying and that we give to others. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.